1: You ever brought your magic to Walt Disney World like, hey, we came to play? Did you tip your tiara to a Creole Princess or get goofy officially? When we come through, it's true magic. Because we came to play at Walt Disney World Resort. This episode is brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now, you're multitasking. But what if you could also be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers you save by switching save nearly $750 on average, and auto customers
2: To see scuffling in training camp, I would say finally (laughs) we actually see, you know, some guys, you know, that's what training camp is about. Sometimes you're going to get tired of hitting the same guy over and over again, right? It's, you know, it's linebackers and running backs. They're going to gut up a lot in practice. And, of course, we want to be safe. We want to make sure we keep guys up. But also, it's going to get a little edgy. It's going to get a
0: little chippy. And that's how I want to play. Offensively, defense, I want to play with the edge. I want to play with the chip on our shoulder, but also we still have to play within the rules. So
2: it's part of camp. You see, you know, it's not the worst thing that happened because, you know, it just shows guys, they truly care about what they're doing. They want to be really good. And it was
1: just two really good competitors going at each other, which I don't have a problem with. Bam. (laughs) Always a tough balance at training camp, though, right? Yeah. You want your players to give a crap, but you don't want them to do – Things in practice that if they do them in a game, they're going to get the team flagged or get themselves ejected or maybe both. Or possibly get somebody injured in camp, including themselves, when they start swinging fists against a football helmet. So you want that fire, but you want to be sure the guys can control it. Yeah. Don't cross a certain and that emotion. Line. Yeah. It just flashes, but you know, it's there, right? You know, it's there, right. But they need to know how to control
2: it. That's right. A few good, a few scuffles is healthy. It's good. It, it, it you know, sometimes it just needs to happen and honestly can take the tension out of practice a little bit. It just, it's, it's, yeah, it's a lot of grown men. It's crazy. It's testosterone. It's football. And and what's funny there is I think he was being very careful D'Amico Ryans, but it sounded like he was actually, that was one where he was happy. Right. I mean, what did he start off saying? Finally, you know, finally, finally, like he was going like, damn, we need to be a little more chippy around here. Like finally somebody got chippy. And he said something at the end too, that caught my, my, mind. or he was, he was glad to see it or happy to see it. So, Hey, that's, that's the 49er way. We know that it's chippy, right? They, they, they push the limits and practice and physicality and making the NFL PA feel uncomfortable and all of that. And that's what a lot of the good teams do. And that's what D'Amico Ryan would probably like to see his guys be a, a little bit more in that department.
1: Yeah, there was an incident during OTAs where the NFLPA observer, the former tight end who played for the Colts, 2012 draft pick, whose name for Dwayne, some reason Dwayne Allen, right, is escaping me. Yeah, Dwayne Allen. Right. He, he and he and your your guy Kyle got into it on the field. Yeah, well, that because, was weird. Because uh, yeah. Allen came out onto the field to try to get into the huddle and tell guys, hey, you know, you shouldn't be playing like that or whatever it was. So yeah, yeah, it's that roll out of bed and kick your ass, roll out of bed and run through a wall. Roll out of bed and go play football and have the emotion that is necessary to get even more out of your abilities. That emotion, if it's applied the right way, if it's focused the right way, will make you even better. Quick Ezekiel Elliott update. I saw this posted by Ian Rappaport during the break. Okay. The plan for Elliott is to fly to New England, land this morning, sign the contract, and then take the plane with the team to Green Bay where they have joint practices this week and he should participate right out of the gates in the joint practices between the Green Bay Packers and the New England Patriots. So this deal should be final today. I've already also put out a line to get the full contract. Uh, Someone uh, who's in a position to know these things suggested that it'll be very, very heavy on per game roster bonuses. So if he's injured, there's a lot of money from the base package that he's not going to see. So we'll see how that all shakes out. As soon as I get that, we'll post it to PFT. We'll also be posting a full breakdown of the new Zach Martin contract, former Ezekiel Elliott teammate, out of the blue, held out of training camp. A couple of weeks later, three weeks in, I think, all together, two or three weeks, closer to three than two, uh, gets his deal. Gets a raise that makes him happy. Eight million dollars total over the next two years. And Zach Martin ends his impasse with the Cowboys. Remember, it wasn't that long ago Jerry Jones was acting like, oh, we're fine without him. It's just it just shows you the blustering and the BS that that happens in situations like that. They knew they still needed him. Yeah. And they dug deep. Yeah. Oh, we need that money to pay Micah Parsons. Well, you got eight million less then you would have had to pay Michael Parsons.
2: Yeah, well, you know, I, I think that's probably what it came down to, though, right? Mike, I, I mean, a little bit, you know, like we've talked about with some of these other teams here at the start of the show. Uh, okay, right? We don't want to pay him extra money. He is being paid lesser than he should be. We're a team that's in the Super Bowl window. Yeah, we could probably make it work without him, but for $4 million this year, is it really worth it to maybe not have the best garden in football and and help us maybe get to the Super Bowl? And oh yeah, that's right. We got to play the Eagles and the 49ers on the way who got, you know, defense line just fall defensive falling out of the sky coming after you. I think they probably just came to their wits there and said, "What well, yeah, Four, you know, super yacht, you know, super billionaire yacht. I got to take away the gold encrusted toilet seat again. I'll have to give him an extra $4 million. I think it's the right thing to do. And and I was glad to see them come to the terms. Zach Martin just wanted to be in the ballpark, right? He didn't want to be the highest paid guy. He just wanted to be in the ballpark and be respected. And I think they got that, you know, figured out and good for Zach Martin and good for the Cowboys.
1: Yeah, he was down at the bottom of that graphic, he's moved up. And remember it was so odd because he agreed to a restructuring earlier this year that converted the bulk of his salary for 2023 into a signing bonus. That would have been the time to draw the line in the sand, but you know, they drew the line in the sand, "Hey, this is what this is this is an aftermath of what happened with Ezekiel Elliott. 4 years ago, we saw them cave yeah. during a holdout. So the message is that, that desire by Jerry Jones to get to a Super Bowl and win it eventually is going to overcome his desire to keep the money stuffed in his pockets. And that's when you strike. That's when you put the pressure on Jerry Jones. Not in March when he's months removed from being denied services of a key player. You do it at the time where he's fully expecting the services to be provided. Martin had some comments on the new deal. This comes via Todd Archer of ESPN.com. I've been here a long time. I've accomplished some great things, but I just felt like where I was in the market, that it's something that had been deserved, and I felt strongly about it. It took a little time, but I'm super grateful to the Joneses. Once we started talking and having that connection, we were able to figure something out that worked for both of us and again it's an eight million dollar raise over the next two years combined total eight million for Zach Martin and the bottom line is it gets him in camp and it means there's only one remaining holdout of a guy who's on his second contract Nick Bosa is in his option year of his rookie deal and he's holding out and it's getting potentially more expensive but the 49ers can waive all those fines if they choose to do so and I would assume they will. Chris Jones, Zach Martin, they've got the non-waivable fines of 50000 per day. Chris Jones, three weeks in, over a million dollars. I mean, for what he's trying to get, it doesn't matter. He's trying to get $30 million a year, and he's currently at $20. And uh, I think this is going to continue right up until they begin their preparations, Chris, for Week 1 against the Lions?
2: Oh, man, I, you know, I hope not, because you will not, we won't see the same Chris Jones. They won't be as good on the defensive side of the ball. You know, he's a tremendous leader. We know the kind of player he is there. You know, that, that That's where I don't want to see that, right? I, I would hope they could find something you know, whether it's like a Zach Martin deal or just extend the deal two or three years and a big signing bonus or whatever else. We know just like Zach Martin, Chris Jones is egregiously even more underpaid for where he is, let alone he's been the pillar of that defense for their three Super Bowl appearances. So that's where uh, th- this is big. They're, this is The D line, they got a lot of good talent there, but they got guys that are like, hey, we're waiting for some of them to take the next step or take over. He's the only real game plan. Wait, we got to stop him. What are we going to do if they don't have him? That makes that defensive line look, look a lot less than, than what it really is. Yeah, you remove Tyree Kill from the
1: offense. You've still got Patrick Mahomes, Travis Kelsey, exactly. and a great other pieces line. that right. will make
2: it work. Right.
1: You take out Chris Jones. Who do you replace him with that can be disruptive, that can kick it in in key moments like in the AFC Championship game when it looked like the Bengals were going to drive down the field and win it, like in Super Bowl 54 when it looked like the 49ers were going to hold on and win it until Chris Jones freaked out Jimmy Garoppolo to the point where he didn't see a wide-open George Kittle because he was afraid of the ball getting batted back in his face like Jones had previously done. Jones has a history of showing up when it matters most and he's, he's, yeah you, know, you were saying it all last year that he was becoming one of the most dominant interior defensive linemen, even more so than Aaron Donald. And this is it for him. 29 years old, interior defensive lineman. This is it. This is the time to get paid. And the reason I think the Chiefs are resisting, it's kind of like with the running backs. They know they're going to regret this in a couple of years, but they need to do it now. Worry about the regret later they got to pay this guy now because he's got maximum leverage. And I think they miscalculated what it was going to take to get him in. And this is, this is what happens when you start and and chiefs fans get upset when I say this, but I don't care. It's, it's accurate. When you get these guys that are happily underpaid, they just assume that everybody's going to be happily underpaid. And then they encounter a guy who's not happily underpaid, who's not happy about being underpaid at all. And that kind of, that's hard for them to deal with because they want this vibe where they can take Patrick Mahomes and he's happily underpaid. So Travis Kelsey will be happily underpaid and Chris Jones will be happily underpaid. And then you can use that against everybody, everybody at the bargaining table. Who do you think you are? Patrick Mahomes? He's underpaid. Travis Kelsey's underpaid. Chris Jones is underpaid. They want to be part of a winning tradition. So you either want to be part of a winning tradition or you don't. And I think you know if you can make that happen organically and milk it, you save a lot of money, and you get a lot of great players for a lot less than what it would cost other teams to get them under contract.
2: Yes, yeah, no, yeah, I mean they they got a lot of you know good things there. This this is this is a good problem to have. That oh okay hey uh, last year was the first year you know like you were saying it was like whoa. This is the first time this is coming out of my mouth in a long time. The best defensive tackle in football is not Aaron Donald. It's Chris Jones. That's what he was. I don't see the other thing, too, and and I understand their stance, and I know we've hit on this before, but I don't see falling off the cliff or end of the road happening here with Chris Jones. I think he's proven he plays a ton of snaps every game. He's up there as far as league leaders and playing snaps at defensive tackle. He, He loves the sport. Right, and there's no signs of him falling off right now. And and guys like this traditionally don't just fall off completely. It's a little bit of a gradual, you know, downturn here. And this is one of the freakier guys we have seen to where, you know, I, I would think he's got another three, four years of really good quality football. And like these first two years still superstar ish type of quality football. So and you know, you break down their roster like we're saying. Hey, I love Mike Dana defense and and George Kyle Laftis. Hopefully he makes the, the turn and shows he's a you know unbelievable first round pick. But in the middle of that defense, you know, Derek Noddy. hey, he's he's a good run stop and D tackle, but there's there's nothing there to look at that and go, ooh, wow. You know that front four can hold a, hold down the workload itself. That's where they need Chris Jones. This is different. He's got them, I think, a little bit, you know, more in a tough spot than than even um, than than like Tyree Kill did when, when he wanted more money last year.
1: Last week, when Brett Veach, the GM of the team, said to the Kansas City Star, "We have no intention of trading." Jones. I believed it because they don't. They can't. You can't replace him. That would completely screw up your defense on the cusp of a new season. If you remove Chris Jones, there's no one you can replace him with. And you don't have nearly enough time to plan for life without him. Well, one more thing. Oh, sorry. Sorry. Sometimes you just got to. Sometimes, sometimes you just got to, just like we say with Jonathan Taylor, you're in checkmate. Josh Jacobs, you're in checkmate. Kansas City Chiefs, you're in checkmate. I think so, Chris Jones. I think so too. Got to just pay this guy. Yeah.
2: Hopefully they can find the the right formula there. And here, well, last thing, just for like, because I know we got to go to break, but like, do, do we really? I don't know why. I just don't buy this player fine thing. Like I don't buy it. I have a hard time thinking the Cowboys aren't going to skirt the rule or something, and they're not going to make him pay. Are we sure? That's a definite, it's definite mandatory. It's mandatory. It's in the CBA. It's
1: mandatory and it's non-waivable. It must be removed from his future paychecks. So the only way to do it is you give him more money than what he wanted. At the end of the day, here's our deal. Oh, and you got to gross it up a million dollars to cover the fines. That's the only way you can do it. It can still be done. You just can't wave a magic wand and pretend the fines never happened. It's all about disincentivizing holdouts There was stuff that was put into the latest CBA to make it harder for players to hold out. Because, you know, I say this all the time. Because people say, oh, you're, 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 how dare you, you're breaching your contract. You signed a contract. Well, there's two contracts. Your contract with the team and the NFLPA's contract with the league. And that contract gives the players rights to withhold services. The NFL made it more expensive, made it more difficult. It's just another wrinkle. It's another element. And sometimes guys care and sometimes they don't care. But this whole non-waivable on your second contract, yeah, that money is going to be gone. So you have to factor that into whatever contract you get from the Cowboys, that they're going to take a million of it because they have to. They're going to take a million of it back Right off the top, because they have to. Uh,
2: yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I know you're right. I, I don't know. It's just one where I, I don't know. I feel like we're going to hear a story. That, I mean,
1: let's are going to give him a briefcase full of cash. I, that's a, which, well. I don't you know, put any of that by him either. For years. I don't. Not about yeah, the Cowboys. Yeah. <laughs> we just you know. Yeah, there's no, other it, ways
2: you can funnel money to somebody. That's that's all I'm trying to say. That, that's just to me, that's a hard thing to do. Hey, here's extra million dollars. A few here's four million, four extra million dollars. But give us a million back, like. Yeah. I I, just, I don't I don't know if I'm going to buy it. They're going to try to do good by their star guys there. I, I, I'm just throwing out stuff here. I don't know this. I just, you know, it just seems fishy to me. I know how a locker room We've works. We've always... Right.
1: Look, there's always been suspicion about right. teams skirting the salary cap, and it's never – well, there's been some proof of it from time to time. time to there's time. been some teams yes. that have been whacked for it from time to time. Mike Shanahan's Broncos, frankly, on a day that, that the political process is in motion to try to get the voters on the contributor committee to put him in. And it's, he's not the only one that's got the political process fully activated to try to become the finalist for next year. But they got whacked hard. I mean, they had multiple draft picks they lost over salary cap issues back in the late uh, 90s uh, as, after they had won their Super Bowl. And, hey, you know, they won two Super Bowls. Can't take those away. Take draft picks away. Doesn't matter. We won a couple of Super Bowls. And it wasn't as egregious and blatant as the briefcase of cash slipped under the table that we've heard other teams possibly have done. But how do you, how do you, ever, how do you ever prove it? How do you ever even begin to prove that someone funneled cash to someone else? Yeah. How do you prove it? Yeah. If everybody keeps their mouth shut, you don't prove it. All right. Uh, speaking of cash and keeping your mouth shut, the biggest story in the NFL arises from cash and somebody who's decided to no longer keep his mouth shut. It doesn't even involve a guy who's playing in the NFL anymore, but it's crossed over to mainstream news. We'll tell you what it is and delve into it when PFT Live.
2: Comes. I was blindsided by this. We are here
1: with a flock fan. What is your name? Harlem. And we would both like to say thank you for people coming out to the Ravens training camps. We only got how many days left? Not that many days left. So we want to say go Ravens. Go Ravens. Woo! Go Ravens. Yes. Yes. Good job. <laughs> Harlem, finding that microphone and uh, making sure his voice is heard. Marlon Humphrey with him. The Ravens working their way through training camp. Yeah, camps are going to be closing soon, and it's back to the team facilities. A lot of teams do their training camp out of the facility anyway. The Ravens, once upon a time, actually 14 years ago, drafted Michael Orr with the first-round pick. Later that year, the movie The Blind Side came out. And this one just kind of landed out of the blue yesterday. I think ESPN.com had the original story. Michael A. Fletcher penned it. And uh, it, it it caught fire. I'd noticed it because Michael Orr was all of a sudden trending. It's like why well, my, is my, Michael why is Michael Orr trending? And I quickly found out that he's filed a lawsuit, a petition, to be more legally correct against the Tui family, alleging that they never actually adopted him. That this whole claim of an adoption was a ruse aimed at getting him. Now these are his allegations. They'll they'll be entitled to respond. But his allegation is it was a ruse aimed at getting him to sign a conservatorship that basically gave them the power over all of his finances, over all of his deals. And one of his claims is when it was time to do a deal to make the blind side, he didn't get a penny. And they all got paid, the whole family, husband, wife, and the kids all got paid, and he didn't get anything, and... I don't know why this is coming to a head now. That's
2: my first question. And, why and, is it t- taking so long to figure out you haven't been paid for one of the bigger movies, you know, in the last 20 years? The, the thing that got me,
1: that really got my attention, was the allegation that Michael Orr first discovered this discrepancy in February of 2023. That speaks to an element in the law that allows you to get around the statute, not statute, but statute of limitations defense, the discovery rule. Oh, God. I remember first learning about it in a case, this was in law school, but, you know, somebody had a sponge left in them during surgery. Well, more than two years passed before the person learned they had a sponge inside of them. And so when the lawsuits filed, the... The defense is it's been more than two years. That's yeah. the statute of limitations. Yeah, but I just found out know. I have a sponge inside right. me. I didn't know I had a sponge inside of me until last week. So, you know, the the, the period of time, whatever it would be, and there's different statutes of limitations depending upon the claims. But when I see that language in there about discover, but any version of the word discovery, I think they know they got a statute of limitations problem. And they know they better have an argument a persuasive and compelling and factually supportable argument as to why he waited as long as he did. And there is the money quote from the filing. He discovered this lie to his chagrin and embarrassment in February of 2023 when he learned that the conservatorship to which he consented on the basis that doing so would give him would would make him a member of the Tui family, in fact, provided him no familiar relationship with the Tui. So, you know, his his argument basically is these folks have acted all along like they adopted me and they really didn't. It was a it was a financial play for them. They wanted. And again, these are allegations. They wanted to control my money. They wanted to control my rights. They never actually made me a member of the family. And it sounds like this has been something that's deteriorated for a while. And this is where he's going to get into an issue with the statute of limitations, because at some point the argument will be something happened that should have caused you to go read that document that should have caused you to become curious about it. And you didn't. You should have, but you didn't. Why did you wait until February of 2023 to do whatever you did to come to the conclusion that these folks had lied to you about making you a member of the family? So, uh, you know, this case may not last for very long, depending upon how that expected statute of limitations argument goes but it's still a stunner i mean this was like the feel-good story of 2009 right right the altruistic family that brings in this this big large guy and i think he also didn't like the idea that the movie portrayed him as being not very smart right he's always kind of had a an issue with that um but uh you know it, it was it was sandra bullock won the oscar for crying out loud it was a popular movie it made 300 million dollars which then was a lot. Now it's like a billion. Hey, don't talk to us in, you know about a hit unless you're making a billion. But still, three hundred million was a big deal in two thousand nine for a movie that you know, probably cost way, 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 way less than that to make. So that's where it stands. That's what happened. It was on every nightly news broadcast. You know, it's a big deal. It's a big story because it was one of those things that crossed over when the blind side was in theaters. And this is the kind of thing that even though Michael Orr hasn't played since twenty sixteen. It's, it's going to cross over now, and it's going to be a big deal until that case is resolved.
2: Yeah, I, you know, the statute of limitations there, that, that is going to be interesting. Yeah, you know, When did he realize that he wasn't being paid, right, and that the rest of the family was? Which, of course, is, you know, whether he can take this to court or not, you know, the, the court, if these things are true— right? And, and yeah, there's some way the Tui family can finagle themselves out of this situation and, and, and all that, man, is it going to be a bad look on them? I mean, you talk about the ultimate bad, like low below, right? Take a guy in, take, you know, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Help them out. But then you're going to take advantage of him and capitalize off of him. The whole story is, is, is of course surrounded by, you know, surrounded around him and what he did and his life and the journey there. So uh, yeah, it'd be interesting to see where this goes. But, yeah, whether it's, you know, in, in the court of law or in the court of public opinion there, uh, th- this is going to be, you know, kind of interesting to see how it plays out.
1: And and what, what a coincidence that a family that was a major supporter of University of Mississippi football takes this kid in and ensures he gets his high school diploma and is able to go play college football at the University of Mississippi. What what a coincidence that that's the school that he ultimately picked. So um, – and here's the thing. This is why it's critical from a legal perspective and a PR perspective for the TUIs to try to knock this case out with a statute of limitations defense. That's a preliminary thing that gets resolved before you get into who said what to whom, when, before depositions are taken, before documents – are exchanged before the discovery process of every piece of civil litigation begins and all sorts of embarrassing stuff comes to light. So, you know, I again, I haven't researched what what Tennessee law is on this, but it just feels like a really long time. And if it feels like a really long time, there's a pretty good chance there's a statute of limitations out there that would apply to this that would say in legalese, sorry, you waited too long. And that's why he's trying to reset the clock, I believe, with that petition to February of 2023 so he still has whatever window is available. You know, I, I, back to the example that I provided earlier, he just found out the sponge was left inside of him during surgery. He's trying to use that argument to to move forward with a case that probably should have been filed Chris a long long time
2: ago yeah it, it seems that way uh, we'll see how it plays out but yeah we got we got they're gonna have to make an addition to the movie here you know the 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 sequel what happened in the lo- the court of law after they were blindsided by a lawsuit <laughs> by the guy they maybe took advantage of uh, it, it's I don't mean to laugh but um, it, it is crazy that you know this is kind of coming out now and, and it's 14 15 years later it
1: is a hell of a postscript to a feel-good story from 2009. And depending upon where it goes, if the original story was good enough to get the attention of Hollywood, depending upon where this thing goes, there's a chance the follow-up is every bit as compelling. So you say it facetiously, but depending upon the facts and then how they could be embellished to make for an even better movie than what the facts would suggest, I wouldn't rule it out at this point. I okay. Mean, look, the thing falls out of the sky, and it's everywhere. Right. It shows you there's interest in it. Yeah. That's going to move the needle. That's going to get people interested in telling this story. What's the real story of Michael Orr and the Tui family? I, I mean, yeah, yeah. It's you know, it's it's a it's a situation that needs to be resolved properly through all legal channels. But there's a separate part of this. There's a story that people are going to want to know, especially if the case would get knocked out early in court. People are going to want to know. What really went went right. happened? What right. went, went down between Michael Orr and the Tuies? All right, let's go ahead and uh, take a break. When we return, something we did not talk about yesterday: Sam Howell, the Commanders' QB one. How did he look in Week One of the preseason, and is he strengthening his lock on that job as the season approaches? We'll be right back.
0: Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one Mick Crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.
2: Sam Howe. Sam Howe got to have a better matter rating, 100%. QB, leading the offense, dynamic player, got to have a better matter rating. I'll give it to Sam. You no, know, I definitely think Sam should have a higher matter rating.
0: Sam Howe, Sam Howe Deep bar is crazy on that, so we got to put his accuracy up.
1: Some commanders talking about Sam Howe's Madden rating, and you know what they do. They they set those on a curve, uh, and you get guys that... that uh, aren't at the front end of the curve and their numbers end up lower and yeah, they want to see it and then but, they're going to
2: add an update some point yeah. in the week 66? four. He's a
1: 66.
2: And, and they're going to look at it and they're going to evaluate and then they'll read, they'll update his rating. Now that's the thing they can do. Now you can do these updates, just download it through the internet and boom, there you go. Oh, he's not a 66 anymore. We saw four games and now he's an 86. Uh, and that's what he'll have to do. i will have to put some tape out there to get the Madden people to change.
1: Best thing I ever did with my PS5, because I play Madden while I'm riding my bike every day, Right. I got it directly wired into my router, so I'm not relying on Wi-Fi. That changes everything. No glitches, no hiccups, no dropped games. Straight in, baby. Straight in, hardwired into the, into the Internet uh, uh, juice that we have here in the house. All right, uh, Sam Howell. Well, does he earn a 66 or something higher based upon his preseason debut? He was 9 for 12, 77 yards, one passing touchdown. He had one run for eight yards, and uh, they seem to be happy with where this guy is. I know that every once in a while, Ron Rivera throws a bone to Jacoby Brissett, but Sam Howell, so far, so good. Long
2: way to go, but so far, so good. Yeah, that's right. Played well in the first outing of the year. Looked good, looked comfortable. Jacoby Brissett threw a really bad interception that you would have expected the young quarterback to throw, not Jacoby Brissett. This is what I like about Howell. One, he's got a good natural feel for the game. Where to move in the pocket. Oh, wait, I, this guy might be open. I'm going to hold the ball for a half second longer to get the 20-yard completion. And then what you heard the players talk about Mike, look at that. Even the movement in the pocket there. Those are the things I really like about him. He's a natural that way. And then what you heard the players talk about is the guy can throw the ball down the field. And with the weapons they have and Biennium calling that offense, we know they want to throw the ball down the field. So that's where, you know, it was a positive for sure. He had a big drop by the tight end on the first drive that should have kept things going. He looked really good for his first outing, looked very comfortable. And that offense has got some potential to be scary if he can really get a grasp of it and and take advantage of what Biennium coaches there.
1: And what's the thing that separates good from great quarterback? The ability to make things happen with your legs. You still have to be able to throw it. That's right. You can't, you can't just run around and spray the ball everywhere except where it's supposed to be. Then you're Tim Tebow. You've got to be able to deliver the ball accurately while you're on the move, after you've reset, know when to run, know when to stop, know when to move. And and yes, working with Eric Bannemi. What a weird story that was last week. That that, that whole thing with Ron Rivera, with what he said about Eric Biennemi and the aftermath and the blowback. I mean, the bottom line is Biennemi is going to get it done for the commanders. Their offense is going to be a lot better, and that team is going to be a lot better. And, uh, you know, where I ultimately came down with my not even really a conspiracy theory, the idea that Rivera at some level may be thinking we get to the end of the year, if they're faced with losing Eric Biennemi to another team— they may just make him the head coach here. Well, yeah, I think we have looks- to have that on our radar screen. Yeah, yeah I hear the, you. That's the yeah. Cutter Lovey Smith right. swap that right. the Buccaneers did after Jameis Winston's rookie year. They yeah. were faced with losing Cutter, so out went Smith and up went Cutter to the head coaching job. I yeah. think if I'm Ron Rivera, at some level, I'm concerned that my offensive coordinator is going to do such a good job. That they're The new owner's just going to say, why isn't he the head coach?
2: Right, right. I, 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 I feel you there. I mean, you know, you know, oh, the team's just okay, but the offense is thriving, and Sam Howell looks great, and things are going in the right direction. Yeah, that could be scary for Ron Rivera. We'll see. I don't know what he was trying to do, like we talked about last week, unless he was just trying to – kind of communicate to B enemy to have a little bit of a softer touch with players and trying to do it through the media. Either way, we know it wasn't a good look. But yeah, I like this offense. I do. And I like the talent they got it. They improved the O line. The receivers are damn good. They got pretty good tight ends. They got two good running backs. Hal's got a natural feel. There's one there's two things to watch out for, Mike, with Hal that, that I just still want to see more of. One, he is a little bit of a slow release, right? It's a very deliberate over the top release like you you know if you show the highlights again you'll see it and there's not a lot of different arm angles right so he moves out of the pocket and he throws the ball well then if he's in the pocket he's great but when there's like hey you gotta slide and maybe do sidearm or get it around that offensive tackle and defense end over there I don't see that those are little last pieces of the puzzle I'd like to see right those are the things that you know, Mahomes makes it look so easy that we take for granted and we go, ooh, there really wasn't a place to throw the ball there. And he got it in because of the ability to drop the arm. I'd like to see more in that department, but either way, it was a good start for Washington and the offense uh, has a chance to be legit.
1: So you've gone from complaining about the influence Patrick Mahomes has on the youth of America, including (laughs) your son with the sidearm pros, to embracing it and
2: expecting (laughs) to see it. Gotta have it. It, It's now, it's... You know, we hit it on it in the Hall of Fame game, right? Where I think Favre, Rodgers, they brought it to another level. And now it's expected. Like, coaches... They don't want to hear anymore. In 1991, you might have been able. Hey, there was guys around me. I couldn't get the ball off, or you know, I just didn't. I couldn't throw the ball the way I wanted to. Now they're going. Hey, wait, wait. Nobody was touching you, and nobody grabbed at your arm. Yeah, okay, maybe you couldn't throw the traditional way. It doesn't matter. We don't care. You got to hit them. We don't care. We don't care. And we'll find somebody else that can. They Rodgers, to me, up the level there of what's expected from quarterbacks. And now it's just like, hey, yeah, there's no room to throw, but you could have done this and hit the 20-yard out. Uh, why didn't you do it? And that's what Josh Allen and Burrow and Mahomes and Herbert and that crew have been doing to where now it's like a necessity to, to survive in the NFL.
1: Quick break. We'll have plenty more PFT Live for you right after this. The, the fires in maui last week Ugh. don't get horrific. me started mike and we haven't we haven't talked about it on the show because i'm trying to stay true to the idea that we're the diversion, we're the respite, we're the break from so many things in the news right now that have people anxious, that have people on edge, regardless of what you believe, regardless of where you live, regardless of who you interact with. There's just a lot of crap out there now. And we want to be the thing that you can turn to when you've had enough of all the other stuff. But I just can't even comprehend what happened to those people in Maui. That that fires ripped through a town so quickly that people had no chance to get away from them. That 99 have died and counting. They don't know how many more bodies they're going to find incinerated. It's like an atomic bomb went off. Bodies are incinerated in this beach town of Lahaina. Uh, and uh, we're mentioning it now because Tua Tonga who's a Hawaii native, has started a fund to support the folks there because they're going to have to rebuild that whole town. They're going to have to rebuild that whole area. And it's going to take money and it's going to take time. And there's only going to be so much that's available to it. So Tua got it started with a donation of $20,000, you can go to PFT. We've got the link to it. Justgiving.com is the website where Tua's fund uh, has, has begun this process of raising money. Right now, it's over $66,000. If you've got a few bucks to spare, go there and do it. But the whole thing, it's it's like my brain doesn't want to process it. And I've watched the coverage and it's like you just want to reject it like a body rejecting an organ. Like I, my brain wants to reject that something like this can happen in this day and age or in any day and age, some kind of biblical event where a whole town burns and everyone in it dies, except for the ones that went into the ocean and stayed in the ocean, that that was your only escape going into the water to get away from the fire. And there's stories about, power lines coming down in the winds and the power hadn't been turned off so you've got live wires that were starting some of these fires and they still don't know exactly how it all started but we know how it ended and uh it's it's just it it's really sad. is something that's sad that the human brain struggles to even comprehend can happen to anyone in this world especially in our country. And even if it's not part of the contiguous 48 states, Hawaii is part of the United States. It's not some tropical island that's disconnected from the U.S. of A. It is part of our country. And I I think that's been one of the concerns as well. What kind of of actual support and response have these folks gotten from our government?
2: Yeah, it's, uh, it's a great deed by Daitua. Good for him to, 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 to put more notice on it. You know, a great cause it is, it's sad. It's sad for those people. It's sad for our earth. We're seeing biblical events on a weekly basis and nobody cares. I mean, it just doesn't matter. I I can go through it. It It eats at me. It's, it's horrible. What's happening to our oceans, our forests, everything. Yeah, the island got incinerated and burned in a hurry because it's, I mean, we know the whole planet's drying up. I mean, it's just, it's one thing after another. It's a shame. It's sad. It's the state of... Everything is just crazy to me right now. I, I I could come on and be Captain Planet, but good for Tua. And yeah, if you do have some money, donate to this cause. They do need it out there. You're right. They get forgotten because they're out in the middle of the Pacific, but they are. They're part of our country. They are a huge part of our country, and uh, hopefully they get the support they needed.
1: Yeah, I don't know what we can do to fix whatever big-picture damage has been done, but when these things occur, the rest of us can do what we can to support the effort for those who survived to rebuild this town, rebuild their lives, even those who lived, lost, everything they have, everything they have is gone uh, because of this event that just kind of blew through like that. I When I first heard about it, it's like, what? What? Like, it took me a couple of days to truly understand what had happened, and uh, it, it's it, it's horrific and good for Tua to do something about it. And if you've got a few bucks to spare, check out the link at PFT. From the story about Tua starting the fund and do what you can to help those people out They're Americans, just like the rest of us, except for those of us watching, uh, those of you watching in in, uh, the U.K. and Ireland. But you, you can contribute as well if you care to do so and help out your fellow man. Let's go ahead and take a break. We'll have more PFT Live
0: right after this.
2: said you couldn't talk to us until you got your number, though. What's the number situation? <laughs> I'm
0: going to wear number 50. Yeah, I'm going to wear 50. Yeah.
1: Teddy Bridgewater wore number five in Minnesota. He's going to wear five zero. For the team that wears Honolulu blue, I guess that makes sense—a little Hawaii five a little Honolulu blue, a little five o for Bridgewater. I didn't think fifty I was in the range
2: you, of what quarterbacks could wear. I didn't think wear. you could either. That's what I was about to ask you. Is that real? I I, I thought quarterbacks still to check had to go one book. through or zero through nineteen, didn't you? They've ex-
1: i think they've expanded. I'll check the rule book though, because they have—they've made changes this year as well. Because zero is now in play at certain positions. I was right. just looking at it yesterday. I was looking at some of the new rules in the rule book. Uh, and that's one of them, and I'll revisit it after the show. I don't think that 50 is available. All right, grid time. Grid time. Um, I haven't even seen the grid yet. Some fun. I have no idea. I have seen there the grid, well, and great. you are seeing it now. Yes. And here's how it always goes. Three vertical columns, three horizontal columns. We try to fill out the nine Where did you see the grid before uh, this? I don't Hollywood understand. Square. Where did you find this what before this?
2: Where was this? I, don't I, know.
1: I sent the link. I sent the link to the text chain this morning. As soon as I got this out of bed. This morning? You mean when I was driving
2: to work? Like I mean. I mean, damn, Sorry. good thing I got to Should prepare for earlier. it.
1: Jeez, I, okay. <laughs> uh, I Same procedure I've used every other day, and it hasn't been an issue until today. The vertical columns, Eagles, Ravens, Pro Bowl Not correct. Appearance. We've
2: had it the day before before, but go ahead. Keep reading. Go ahead. <laughs>
1: Bears. Commanders and 1,000 yards or more rushing down the horizontal columns creates the nine square grid. And let's get right to it. And I've got two of them I'm going to get right out of the gate since you have a chance to prepare for this one. Now, Anybody that plays these grid games knows, and as I see the percentages reflected, because it should be a very obscure choice, but people are starting to know who the cheat code players are. And there are certain veteran quarterbacks that played for a bunch of teams, Vinny Testaverde, Ryan Fitzpatrick, just a couple, Josh McCown, that's the one that lands in the Bears, Eagles, Eagles intersection final answer now let's see how low the percentage is for josh mccown this day once we get the name actually entered josh mccown is our bears eagles choice uh control room unless that thing's frozen up but uh we'll go with josh mccown eventually we'll put mccown in there eventually we'll find out what the percentage is for josh mccown and it is 3.4%. 3.4%. So that's lower than I thought it would be because people are on to yeah, the, the quarterback cheat quarterback. code dynamic. I mean, right,
2: right. What about the Eagles-Washington? I got one that comes to my mind, but, wait, I mean, yeah, go ahead. Hang on. Go ahead. Well, well I, I I got one more for you as it relates to the cheat code, and this one's
1: just for you. Not as well-known, not as well-traveled, hasn't played recently, but his name has been in the news recently given his exploits at the University of Michigan, a guy that you will now be meeting with in just a few weeks because his suspension deal with the NCAA is off. Jim Harbaugh played for the Bears, first-round draft pick in 1987. That's right. Eventually played for the Ravens. Yeah, right. Jim Harbaugh, your I buddy. Gotta, that's love. I'm just trying to get you ready. I'm trying to get you ready for your inevitable production meeting with uh all right (laughs) go ahead give me give me an eagles commanders well
2: eagles commanders i i I was thinking of brian but but i'm not i'm I'm actually doubting myself here did brian mitchell not play for the eagles i i mean i might be wrong i he did right so brian mitchell yeah yeah, go ahead fire it up fire it up brian mitchell i i I don't know why i got guy second guessed the eagles part of that there damn we're living in three percent range here go ahead doing well This is
1: one of the benefits of being old enough to remember guys who played a long time ago and young enough that your brain does not betray you. Because as soon as I saw Eagles, 1,000-yard rusher, my thought was Wilbert Montgomery. Who's going to say Wilbert Montgomery? I bet it is a very low percentage for Wilbert Montgomery. Please, final answer me, Berkey, Wilbert Montgomery. I would agree with that. I would think it's going to be low, too.
2: Wow, we are... 3.5 for Wilbur Montgomery. We're,
1: we're having a good day here. All right, how about a Raven and a Commander? I've got one that comes to mind, but I have a feeling it's going to be a high percentage. Well, Can you, you think, think of Dion. An, obs-
2: an obscure... I know.
1: thinking I, of Dion, but right. I have a feeling it's going to be high.
2: I know. I can't think of anybody off the top of my head that also would be low-key... Uh, and I'm kind of choking under the pressure here, but... We're just going to have to go Dion, or we're not going to get this done today. Let's go yep, Dion. Let's go Dion. In the
1: Paul... Uh, what Was it Paul Lynn that had the center square for Hollywood Square? Is Dion in the center square? Probably 20% plus. That's not as high as I go. thought it
2: would have been. I thought it would have been higher, actually.
1: Ra- Ravens thousand-yard rusher. Um, this is one, and again, there haven't there haven't been many Ravens thousand yard rushers. Let's go Willis McGahee. That's a guy that gets overlooked that played for the Ravens and had a thousand yards. Jamal Lewis would be. Yeah, an Jamal obvious Lewis is the first Rice. one.
2: Yeah. Well, uh,
1: Priest Holmes? Did he have a thousand yards for the Ravens? Maybe he did. Wow. All right, let's rip down this last column. Pro Bowlers from the Bears, the Commanders, and a guy who had a thousand yard rush season. And with the Bears, Wilbur Marshall. I mean, it's Wilbur Day here on uh, PFT Live. Wilbur Marshall is a guy that I've learned is forgotten from the 85 Bears, oh, who he was a man. superstar the man. on the 85 Bears. Uh, I yeah. suspect he made at least
2: one Pro Okay, Bowl, that's a good one. I suspect
1: one. his percentage is going to be very low. Wilbur Marshall.
2: Wow, look at 0. that. That's, that's a good that? one. That's an amazing one. All right, now Washington. Right. Do you have a Commanders? Well, a Commander's I, I want to go, let's stay with that theme. I want to go like a Dexter Manley or a Charles Mann or something like that. Which one you think would be less? I think both of them made Pro Bowls. I know they did. So, which I'm sure Dexter Dexter Manley did. Yeah, let's Charles go. Mann let's definitely go. did too. But, but I, I would think Charles Mann would be lesser, but let's just be safe. Let's see Dexter point Manley. Four. Dexter point four. Dexter Manley well, only well point
1: four. Let's wrap it up with my guy Franco Harris who's a pro bowler with 1,000 yards and more rushing. Uh, let's see how many people would have thought to put Franco down with all the other great 1,000. Right. Wow. We we kicked it today. 42. We really do. Anytime you're under 100, you're having a day. We're under 50, baby. Good day on the grid. Let's take a break. We'll wrap up this Tuesday edition of PFT Live right after this. The grid experts. Hey, thank you. The, the in-studio audience, very happy with the performance today. <laughs> I'm always looking for new items for the PFT bar, and I found this last week on Etsy. It is Michael Scott in his basketball attire trying to guard Michael Jordan. As soon as I saw it, I said, I got to have it, and I posted it last night. A lot of people on social media want to know where to get it. I got it at Etsy. I have a feeling the person who sold it is going to be curious as to why there's such a spike
2: in demand for it. But I love it. Why? What what is does Michael Scott play basketball on the show? Why is that even a thing? Like, yes. Yeah, it does. Yes, he does. Have you not watch the show? I have one of not the great really episodes. watched the show. No.
1: Season one, episode five. Right. Extended version available exclusively on Peacock. It streams exclusively on Peacock, whether it's the base version or the longer version. That's what he wears. It's hilarious. It's great. You'll love it. Watch it with your son. Your son will love it tonight. Your whole family will love it. I'm going to be one, watching Hard Knocks five, like you basketball. should be. One
2: of the best shows Watch on it right now. Hard okay? Watch it before. Get Hard on Hard Knocks, Hard Hard Knocks tonight. To 10. <laughs> We're done. The jerk See ya. See ya.
1: Justin
0: and so good. Thousands of
1: summer deals at your Nordstrom Rack store. Save up to 60% on new arrivals from Vince, Rag & Bone, Adidas, Joes, Marc Jacobs and more great brands great prices every day
0: at nordstrom rack but hurry for first dibs get your summer favorites up to 60 percent off at nordstrom rack today great brands great prices that's why you rack the longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards the longest field goal ever missed also 76 yards why bring this up because knowing your limits matters both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble